Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we talk politics in Arizona and beyond. I'm Michael Squires, the government and politics editor at the Arizona Republican AZ Central. Today I'm joined by... Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover state government and the legislature. Ron Hansen. I cover the congressional delegation from Arizona and help out with the budget. Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover the governor's office and state politics. So this week, that rough beast we know as the Arizona legislature slouches toward the finish line. And so we're going to look back on on the session that was in 2017. And let's start with uh, what we think is the issue maybe that will endure, something that you'll look back on and say, well, that, that, was, a, that was something big that they did in 2017. Uh, Ron Hansen, you want to take a shot at that? Sure. So I guess my vote would be for the uh, the university bonding issue that had the legislature sort of tied up in a stalemate for weeks. They needed that vote, Ron, last week. Yeah, they. From you. It was uh, <laughs> it was a, a pretty contentious matter, which is really kind of surprising for a budget where very little was actually in dispute. Uh, you had the legislature really, uh, you know, at cross points uh, on something that in the end is about $27 million a year to start with. That's like fighting over 28 cents in a $100 bill. Um, so it was a pretty um, small potatoes thing from a financial perspective, but it was really important stakes, especially for the universities. And um, this is something that's going to last 25 years on the budget for the state. So this goes through 2043. The universities made the argument that this is uh, something that will have a uh, very significant wider effect in the Arizona economy. So um, because because why? I mean, why are they making that argument based on what? Well, a couple of things. Number one is the near term construction costs that uh, that means jobs for the construction industry, which especially for the segment that does commercial building is going to be welcome. The uh, more obvious reason to do it, though, is things like the research grants that you'll be eligible for, uh, the, the way that they will be able to contend for things that would be uh, worth, in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in grants. And then there's the third part of it, uh, the business partnerships that emerge from these sorts of things that they're already doing, and they think that they can uh, augment that by having more research facilities, more state-of-the-art. Mary Jo, you have a differing yeah. opinion, I think. Yeah, although I, I tend to agree with Ron, there can be, there better be some <laughs> lasting impact from this whole big fight. But there was a bill that f- pretty much flew under the radar and didn't get much attention here in Arizona, uh, sponsored by Representative Jeff Weninger from Chandler. And it would, it puts Arizona purportedly in the forefront of advancing 5G t- small cell technology as we move into the next generation of, of um, for our phones and our mobile devices. The bill effectively uh, makes it easier and quicker to get small cell uh, satellites, etc., um, established in localities. It sort of waves a lot of the rules or smooths that out. Um, it should make things happen a lot faster. Uh, the bill got passed with, with strong, strong support, bipartisan. Governor signed it quickly, touted it. And last week, Representative Weninger went to Congress and testified about this. So in the future, you know, when you get that next new phone and the next upgrade um, with the 5G technology, you know, a lot of it might be due to legislation that happened this year. And of course, the lasting effect of this is only until what, 6G comes along? <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah, okay. Next upgrade. Yvonne? For me, it's the school voucher expansion bill, and this is going to be something I think we're going to watch uh, Governor Doug Ducey uh, really have to contend with as he tries to make his case going into a 2018 election. Uh, I think it really galvanized um, people who weren't necessarily 
involved down here at the state capitol. And I think um, that he's going to have to try to figure out how to change the narrative on on that issue. This is a bill that expanded um, eligibility into the school voucher-like program to 30,000 kids, and it allows all 1.1 million kids to apply, unlike the current program, which only allows kids with certain um, disabilities or in poor-performing schools, et cetera, to um, participate. So I, I think he might be underestimating the um, uh, emotions on this uh, topic. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of long-term effects that has on him. Uh, politically, though, what, what do we? Th- how do we think the governor fared, Ron? Well, that's what I was just going to say, is that I think that the, the political fallout from ESA is going to be um, pretty considerable next year, is my guess, that um, this has done a lot already to activate a lot of people in Democratic circles who feel very strongly that this is a step in the wrong direction and a threat to public education more broadly. Um, you also have uh, conservatives who really welcome this. This is a, a step in, in the direction that they've wanted for a generation. They really want a voucher-type system. They want anything that it translates into broader school choice. And um, I think that uh, this is something that really feels like it's setting the table for next year's election along with some other things that the governor is going to point to out of this budget, whether it's the university bonding as a way to sort of neutralize any political hit he might have taken for the budget cuts to the higher education two years ago. Uh, and then you look at things like Prop 123 and the teacher raises that are part of this budget. Um, this is going to be sort of that uh, layers of talking points that this governor wants to say he has been good for education on balance. I think when you look, though, at issues that sort of motivate people who want to get out and vote versus people that are issues that sort of address uh, an ideology or, or a base issue, I think there's mo- more motivation on the Democratic side in being upset over this than there would be people who think, oh, school vouchers are a good thing because I agree with them politically. Right, but keep in mind that Ducey will be reminding, and his campaign will be reminding voters that he did a lot more than ESAs. I mean, sure. they did, you know, they put more money into um, the the baseline funding for schools. They've, you know, provided for a 2% teacher raise over the next two years. They're going to do early literacy programs. You know, there'll, there'll be a lot of boxes that he can tick on on the public education front. Well, certainly when the election comes around, he'll be reminding, hey, I was leading the Prop 123 thing and look at all those billions of dollars and so forth. And maybe look for him to insert himself in this um, new litigation over K-12 through capital uh, funding. He uh, hinted that this is something that he might want to um, sit down and talk to teachers and public advocacy groups about it, not trial lawyers, um, but l- look for him to maybe make a move on that before 2018. The great negotiator. He's not just in Washington, D.C. <laughs> not just a pretty face. So what was the strangest thing, uh, strangest bill or issue that uh, was batted around the legislature? <laughs> this came, um, in my estimation, from the very quotable and colorful representative Jay Lawrence, who came up with a bill motivated, he says, by a constituent that would allow people to shoot rats and snakes in their backyards in an urban area. And people went nuts over this. The bill ultimately died. Um, a 
a rather ignominious death, but not before. Sort of like a snake shot in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) But not before generating a lot of jokes and a lot of actually serious talk because herpetologists were very concerned about, you know, this license to say, hey, it's okay to shoot snakes. They're an important part of the ecosystem. In fact, they eat mice and rats. Interesting point. It all kind of came together in that one bill. Anything else that struck you as sort of odd or no. maybe very Arizona? The tax cuts were very Arizona, of course. You right. expect tax cuts, one, two, three, every every session, right? I've been down here six or five sessions, every single session. So much so the governor, Jan Brewer, former governor Jan Brewer, now reportedly says what she signed into law was a little too aggressive. The 2011 tax cuts you're referring to? Yeah. Talk about that, Ron. What, what, what has been the impact, like financially, of those uh, cumulatively? Well, it's pretty significant um, and growing. The corporate income tax revenues, uh, not that long ago, ten years ago or so, uh, were approaching a billion dollars a year, and we're looking at the near-term impact uh, that we expect to collect, maybe on the order of uh, three hundred million. We've already seen the insurance premium taxes are, for the first time, I think, ever passing the corporate income tax revenues as uh, one of the leading sources of revenue for the state. So there's been this kind of significant shift in the way the state pays for its services, and corporations are just sort of being uh, pushed out of that slot, and we're kind of backfilling it with insurance revenues, or maybe we'll adjust the sales tax. Uh, to sort of offset this, but there really is this sort of remaking of the way the state is going to pay for government. But that's partially why um, Representative Michelle Ugenti Rita came up with this uh, tax cut proposal somewhat at the last minute, which would raise the uh, personal exemption that you can claim on your um, income tax form. It's expected to save about $4 per family. It's not a big savings, but, you know, she reportedly said that she was tired of giving all the tax cuts to the companies and wanted to do something for the little guy. It's almost enough for a number one at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> you would know. You're the expert on Chick-fil-A. What, how does this game out, though, when you look? I mean, we're, we're about, what, two decades into the session-by-session session tax cut? I think the mid-'90s sort of where that became. Yeah, early Symington administration, yep. But, I mean, you cannot cut indefinitely, or am I wrong? Do I, do I miss something? Did I miss something in my e- economics classes in college? I don't know. We may find out. <laughs> We've got a governor whose stated goal is to reduce the income tax level to as close to zero as, as he can get it. So um, clearly, they intend to continue doing more tax cuts for at least the near term. I think they've been relatively surgical, and in some ways that may be the storyline heading into next year's session is how surgical and relatively small bore the tax cuts have been uh, in the Ducey years so far. But uh, I think a lot of folks are going to expect that there will be bigger tax cuts in the future. And those 2011 corporate tax cuts that Governor Brewer uh, enacted, they are still uh, coming on board. So it's a $70 million hit to the revenues for the state just this year. And before you move on too quickly to next year, there are still some um, tax bills that are alive yet this session. Senate Bill 1416 would um, sort of enhance the jobs tax credits that manufacturers can claim. Um, It's in much dispute, but the the hit to the general fund could be $1.6 million to 
according to some critics, as much as $10 million. Um, that remains to be seen. But this is all done in the interest of trying to speed along and encourage manufacturers to come here and create higher paying jobs. Of course, the, the, the Republicans would argue these cuts uh, sort of create their own weather system that, that adds to, you know, creates jobs, uh, increases revenue. I don't know that we have seen the revenues increase. Uh, I mean, they've sort of been flat. Am I wrong, Ron? You're the numbers guy. Well, you know, it bears closer scrutiny. And I think that revenues may be up uh, depending on what time frame you're looking at. But there's also the effects of inflation, for example. So um, a $10 billion budget today is a little different than a $10 billion budget, say, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So I think that the issue of revenues, um, when you factor in things like population growth for a state that's among the fastest growing in the country over that 20, 25 year horizon, uh, the question is, does government reach as, as far as, it's pub as the public wants it to, given um, the resources and, and the, uh, the, the public that we have here able to pay? Uh, and I think that's not clear. What, what's like a moment, a scene, uh, like a debate or something that, that like will be what you remember from the 2017 session, Yvonne? Well, I, I have two. My first was uh, in the Senate uh, committee hearing, listening to the school voucher measure, you had parent after parent who was just extraordinary. They were extraordinarily frustrated with the responses or lack of responses that they were getting from the senators as they voiced their concerns over the expansion bill. At one point, uh, Senator Smith rolled his eyes. Uh, they came down on Senator Yee for looking at her phone instead of engaging with them. And so that, to me, really was emblematic of, I think, what we'll see over the the next year and a half or so. Um, my other favorite moment was in the lobby of the governor's office when he was meeting with um, families who were affected by the disease commonly referred to as the bubble boy disease and watching these little girls uh, play together. And these, uh, th this is a legislation that he asked for. It was carried by uh, Senator Sylvia Allen. And it will ensure that every Arizona child gets uh, screened in their newborn uh, screening test to see if they have this disease. You know, for me, the thing that stands out is the, the contrast, the bookends that we have from the Democrats at the beginning and the end of this session. On the day of the state of the state speech, for example, you had Democrats sort of uh, standing up and, and saying, uh, wow, the governor sounds almost like a Democrat for what he wanted to accomplish in public education. Uh, they were wary about what the details will actually hold, but they were hopeful. And then you get to the last week and especially the last two days, and there were some really hard, raw feelings exposed on the Senate floor uh, that I saw uh, where Democrats were essentially um, lashing into the higher education community for not standing shoulder to shoulder with them trying to block the, uh, the uh, pay cut, pay increase to public education, trying to boost that higher. And you had Democrats saying, if you think my job is so easy, come do it. It, it just really, it was an embittered caucus that I think entered the uh, session with high hopes and, and ended with, uh, uh, you know, pretty broken dreams. I will remember how this uh, session, especially in the House under the leadership of the new speaker, J.D. Mesnard, 
with such a different tone. Um, it was, it's been a much more orderly session. He's kept members much more informed about what's coming. Um, so different from the previous year. Um, but as, you know, as we get near the end of the session, that becomes more, uh, unpredictable. Uh, also, um, keep hearing over and over the five female freshman Democrats who would speak and speak and speak and um, the growing intolerance for these floor speeches from these lawmakers. I surely expect them to not talk so much next session. Well, that's the gaggle for this week. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our producer, Kayla White. Subscribe and rate the gaggle on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. <laughs>